I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello everyone, it's VLGA Connect and time for TGU, brought to you by Hunt and Hunt Lawyers. And we've got the A-team on hand for the expert analysis this week on a big week in local government, particularly in Victoria, but not just in Victoria. And joining me, of course, is Julie Reid. Hello, Julie. Hi, Chris. Hi, Tony. Great to see you both. And as as Julie's just given away, Tony Rannick from Hunt and Hunt Lawyers is here. Hi, Tony. Oh, hi, Chris. The worry when you say the A team, what happens to the guests? Do they feel <laughs> like the B team? But you know. no, no, everyone's the A team. Sorry, <laughs> that's just a dirty little secret. Uh, so, thank you. Great to see you both, and I'm looking forward to getting your insights into really the big story of the week, and that is the Commission of Inquiry report has dropped into Moira Shire Council. We knew this was coming. We didn't know what it was going to say, of course. But boy, uh, does it have something to say. There's so much to unpack out of this report. Um, I have read it, so uh, other folks potentially don't have to, but I recommend that you do. And there's uh, a bit of an explainer that I've put up on the Local Government News Roundup podcast with the highlights. But uh, first thing I want to get out of the way, Tony, is you had some involvement with this commission. So we probably should set some context here about what you can and can't talk about in this discussion? Yeah, look, I should say that I um, represented the current councillors, or or certainly until this decision to dismiss them, the group of councillors at at Moira. Um, There was separate representation for the CEO and and for the organisation, the staff. Um, So, of course, you know, in terms of what was said in those closed hearings, you know, I'm, I'm constrained. And obviously, um, I was putting a, a case in um, on behalf of those councillors, which was, amongst other things, was please don't dismiss us. Um, yeah. But really interesting report, a whole hundred, 178 odd pages. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And you, you talk about not being able to talk about stuff mentioned in closed sessions. I can't imagine there's a not, there's a lot not left uh, yeah. Not on the, on the cutting room floor because it is a very uh, fulsome, extraordinary report. Goes into detail on a whole range of issues of concern, and and boy, I think the shock waves are going around the sector as to how uh, this sort of could get to this point. So many pieces of concern with uh, matters referred to IBAC uh, information uh, referred to the state coroner. Uh, Julie, some some comments about the role of senior management in uh, managing those various issues. What jumped out at you in terms of uh, takeaways when you first read this? Oh, for me, Chris, it was like there is so much to learn from what's happened at Moira. Um, you know, just just the culture piece alone is massive in terms of mm. the, the breakdown of the culture within the staff and probably affecting the councillors as well. How important it is that culture is set from the top um, mm. and filters down and is, you know, and... And those senior leaders need to walk the talk and build and foster a really positive culture. And that obviously was not the space that they were in. Mm. So major learnings around that, major learnings around compliance with environmental legislation and um, the importance of whistleblowers in all of this as well, where there's been whistleblowers, a whistleblower that's put forward 
um, that there, you know, is a compliance issue. And now, you know, we see the council in this space where there's um, non-compliance with legislation and having yeah. serious environmental impacts. So that that in itself, conflicts of interest, I mean, it just keeps going and going. It's, it's one of these cases that I think you need to read over and over to really unpack and learn and use probably as an example in training staff into the future about um, what's good governance and when it all falls over like, you know, this domino effect, yeah. you know, it has catastrophic impacts. Yeah, it's hard to know where to start, isn't it? And yeah. I, I want to set some context with with Tony. But firstly, for those who haven't caught up, the, the council has been dismissed. I'm not sure if the, the, the legislative process is is finished, but it's certainly been introduced. Uh, an interim both houses of parliament. Yeah, so and, and maybe awaiting, I'm not sure about the governor and council, but right. it's certainly, um, you know, about to become law, if not already. So, so uh, you know, nerds like me keep an eye on the Government Gazette. There hasn't been one yet appointing an interim administrator, but that's the intent. There's to be an interim administrator for three months, followed by a panel of administrators for at least five years. This is taking us through to October 2028. So if someone can sort of keep a list, I want to come back and talk about that that term and and the issue there mm. the report really hits you in the eyes when you start to read it because it, it delves into detail around the case involving the murder of a council staff member by another former staff member and it says right up front that this may have been preventable if mm. action had been taken to address the cultural issues the health and safety issues of particular workplaces within the council tony question number one what authority uh, does the commission have to make determinations or to make judgments on a matter that's been assessed in the courts? You know, someone was found guilty of murder and they're, they're doing time for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would say that the, um, the, the legal process in relation to um, the crime, the committing of the crime of murder, um, would would focus, of course, on you know um, the facts of um, was a murder committed, was there um, malice aforethought, mm. and these sorts of legal concepts. Whereas, um, I guess the commission's inquiry was 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 more broad in terms of what um, other contributing factors might there have been that um, perhaps um, uh, helped. Um, feeder mindset that that the um, perpetrator had at the time. Um, so as most listeners would probably be aware, the, um, the, the Mr. Devlin um, was murdered by a, a former employee of, of Moira Council and the two parties um, were familiar with each other, had, had worked together and there was some, um, some history um, that um, appears to have, have ultimately led to this tragic event um, but what struck me also in the report and just in the whole process is that um, often you know there'll be uh, an investigation or report that is largely about one key incident or, or um, concern um, in, in this case there, there's quite a quite a number um, some relate to capital work, some relate to, you know, um, as, as, as Julie says, more sort of occupational health and safety mm. and cultural issues. Um, and I think it's important to note at the outset that the, the current CEO wasn't the CEO at the time of the murder um, and that 
all those councillors who've just been dismissed, um, not all of them were councillors throughout um, even the current term, let alone prior terms, and the report goes back some 10 years, I think, in its um, considerations. In fact, some of the councillors were, were only elected on countback very late last year in November yes. December. I think Moira holds the record for the number of countbacks this term. Uh, what, the first one was you know, tragic circumstances when I think a newly elected councillor was was killed in a tragic accident, but there's been a helicopter accident. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but, but Tony, what if you can take us inside the room in a sense, what is the the legal um, capacity, if you like, of of the commission? Was it like a courtroom environment? Well, well, because um, typically like a Supreme Court or a county court has certain rules of procedure. Mm. Uh, um, but but these um, commissions of inquiry um, often aren't, um, aren't as constrained by, by, by those rules. So, um, but it was, uh, it was um, there were orders in terms of um, those participating, those being witnesses, those representing parties in terms of them being constrained to... Um, repeat outside the room what had occurred um there was um you know two you know highly experienced individuals with with the commissioners including um a, a king's council uh in francis o'brien um but i, I look I, I first would want to want to say look my heart goes out to all those councillors I, I think that um whilst you know Clearly, from reading the report, there's a, there's, there are conclusions about what might have been done better. Um, there were a group of you know people who who were motivated to um, represent their community and serve their community. Um, they've now been been dismissed, um, uh, but um, you know it, it's um, it's it's not to say that they they didn't come to that role with the best intentions. Yeah. I also note that, you know, in, in places in the report, there's observations that, you know, certain, um, certain um, uh, the, the, the commissioners were, um, were quite critical of some um, occupational health and safety and some operational decisions. And I put myself in the, the, the shoes of those councillors um, Whilst they have an obligation to to raise issues like that with the CEO, the CEO is the employee that they deal with, and they don't have the um, ability. In fact, they they're constrained from directing the CEO in terms of operational matters. So yep. I can I, I I I you know I can see a collective responsibility, but also I can I can see that we you know difficult to perhaps um, sheet home you know decisions about where asbestos might be dumped or, you know, where, um, you know, whether the implementation of a capital works decision to a group of councillors who are relying upon the expertise and advice of senior officers and who are in fact told don't get involved in the operational affairs of council. Tony, you make a really good point about particularly those councillors that have only just come onto the council in countbacks. But history will not make a distinction for those councillors that were only there for a couple of months, for example. They'll potentially, um, as as unfair as this might be, be known as part of the council that got sacked. How do yeah. they deal with that? Yeah, oh, and that's really unfortunate. And 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 I would say that, you know, 
one of the submissions was that there ought to have been, you know, a, a, just a statement in there about the, the service terms of, of, of councillors, noting that there's one councillor, Scott Olson, who I think's been on council all of two months yeah. or something of that nature. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that hopefully um, that people do their research in, in, in time. And I, and, and I do hope that... that um, Firstly, five years is a very long time, as you alluded to, in terms of there not being um, community representation from elected people on the council. But I do hope that um, there'll be another group of people coming through who aren't, I guess, put off from um, this decision um, and, 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 and that it doesn't prevent them or, or cause them to, to think twice about running for council at, at Moira in the future. Julie, five and a half years, it does sound like a long time, doesn't it? Some people have said it's uh, it's extreme and sends the wrong message to the community. Others, I think, with some justification, are pointing out that the issues here are so deeply rooted and they've been, you know, the origins go back some some years, even some have suggested up to a decade, that it's going to take a period of time like that to to resolve and uh, get that culture turned around. Uh, what side of that argument would you land on? This is a really tough one because I don't think I've seen anything of this this calibre um, in terms of complexity and number of issues in my lifetime in local government. So for me, this is really serious. It's going to take a long time to recover from this. So I can pretty, I could, I think I can sympathise with why they've gone for such a long period of time, because I think to, to bring something back from the space that it's in at the moment is going to, is going to need a lot of time and energy. So I would say probably about rights, long time, um, but, you know, maybe then in time things will transition into a much more positive space and, and the council will be able to start afresh. So I think I'm erring on the side of supporting the decision, even though it is a long period of time. I have to believe there's been some thinking about that. And given, as you say, the complexity of the issues and the number of issues uh, that they've fallen on, let's uh, let's spread it out to 2028 to give the organisation the best chance of recovery. Of course, there is a counter-argument to that, Tony, that period of time without elected representation. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it's an extraordinary period of time. I know that the report, um, you know, in part talks about some key capital works um, items that have been had been delayed and it's quite critical of that. But I'm also mindful that things like the new Merca flood mitigation works which um, have a, a, a local controversy to them um, the you know the Yarrawonga library the Yarrawonga multi-purpose stadium all named in that report um, the implementation of, on the ground of, 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 of those works um, will, will, will require bringing the community along um, mm. particularly I'm thinking of the flood mitigation works which will have a major sort of impact on um, you know the way New Merca operates both during the works and after. And, um, you know, it will be a challenge, I think, for any administrator or group of administrators to, um, be, you know, find a way to engage appropriately with the community and that the community feel that they have, um, you know, an, an outlet to express a view on, on something that's so critical to them. So, you know, that that it's perhaps a, a an underlying concern for me 
that there won't be that democratic input into mm. the implementation of a key decision like on that. that I, I get the point you're making on that new Merca one as you read through the report the commission's obviously reached the view that that work has been done it's five years since the decision was made to implement those flood mitigation measures and they haven't been done and it's only by a stroke of fortune that those floods last year didn't impact Newmerker, otherwise we'd have had a serious issue here about potentially in the commission's view, uh, council's culpability in relation to what might have occurred there. So do, so do you think there's an argument from the community that they should just get on and do that stuff? It's five years on. I think, I, I doubt we'll be watching it particularly as closely in episodes to come, but let me say that there, um, uh, there was various views on whether approvals right. are in place. Okay. Whether catchment management authority has in fact approved that or not, and there were different views put. Yeah. Okay. That that that's interesting. Mm. Um, okay. Um, a lot of the report deals with uh, management issues, and we have to say not just the current management regime, but also talks about previous management regimes and deep seated issues. I don't propose to get into that into a great lot of detail because I think there will be sequels to this other than to say that some people have come out in the press and made some pretty uh, broad statements like the ASU thinks uh, there should be a clear out of senior managers, a local MP thinks the writing's on the wall for the CEO. I think you can draw your own conclusions there and I'd be interested to hear your view, uh, Julie or Tony, if you uh, if you disagree. But I suspect there'll be some processes yet to play out there and we just might need to wait and see. Yeah, I have no doubt about that, Chris. You know, the, the report is so scathing in that that space that um, anybody who's smart would look at that and see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, it's it's it was something, you know, in circumstances like that, I think um, if you're in that seeing your role and you see it broken down under your leadership, I think you've got to sort of put up your hand and say, okay, well, all right, maybe we didn't get it right um, and and maybe maybe move on. I don't know. It's sort of, it's a very, very um, difficult situation to come back from, from a leadership point of view. What, what I would say to that, Chris and, and Julie, is that um, perhaps contrary to what I said before about the, the, the long timing of um, the appointment of administrators, um, you know, an argument for such a long time might be that it's it, it, it's it's actually going to going to be um, an exercise to um, make that organisation um, more attractive in the sector for senior officers. Um, that no doubt there's a whole bunch of officers at Moira who are reading this report who are feeling that um, perhaps. Um, perhaps feeling rightly but unfairly that it might tarnish their reputation that may the report may be dealing with matters entirely outside their portfolios mm. but there's that you know as we've had in the Casey example I guess that sense of being um you know guilt by association and so there are some really really um um awesome performing officers in, in there at Moira and um and and it'll be a challenge um for the administrators to you know as you say um hold that together, build that culture and attract, you know, the right sort of um, offices um, yeah. into Mora for the long term. That's probably just about all we need to say. I, I, I would like to share a couple of comments, though, that have come out in recent days. So the council has put its own statement out um, 
following the release, uh, paid tribute to the mayor who's just departed, Peter Lawless, for what it calls his unwavering commitment to the Shire. It says its primary focus now is on the well-being of staff, describes the report findings as concerning and confronting, and says a number of measures are already in place uh, to address those issues. Um, Mayor Lawless, or former Mayor Lawless, has issued his own statement saying he doesn't agree with all of the findings and he thinks some of the elements are not accurate. Uh, and I think it's good to hear the other side of uh, some of these issues. Um, he's heartened by the support received, feels for the community and the hardworking staff, again, that theme, who are incredibly committed to creating a better shire for everyone. And I did speak with uh, David Wolf, IBAC Deputy Commissioner, earlier today for a separate interview, which you'll see on VLGA Connect. He's confirmed that the uh, the matters referred to IBAC have been received and that assessment process has commenced straight away. And he thinks it would just be a matter of weeks before they'll make a determination on whether there's anything that they need to uh, follow up or potentially refer on to another authority. Tony, one thing that struck me when I read the report, I got to the end, um, I realised that I'd not seen any reference to the local government inspectorate anywhere in the report. I did a word search and it doesn't come up anywhere. Now, I'm wondering whether that means there's other issues at play or whether none of the matters that were discussed, the commission felt uh, needed to be referred on to the inspectorate. You may or may not wish to comment on that. Yeah, look, look, I, I'm, I'm not aware of that, and I'm not aware of that as being a, a subject of conversation or discussion by the commission either. Um, but I, um, picking up, you know, your point about, can I just say about Councillor Peter Lawless, the mayor, yeah. genuine, really community-minded person. Um, and I'd say that um, all those councillors who were dismissed, whatever their backgrounds were, were very. Um, vociferous in saying what a you know what a good leader he had been in the very short period that he'd um taken on that role since about October of 2022 and um probably deserves a you know has a well-deserved rest yes back on the farm where he'll no doubt be working very hard um after all this yes of course it should be uh noted that he took on the mayoralty late last year after Libero Mustica stepped down after I think five terms uh as a pretty um well-known and visible leader of, of Moira Council. Any final thoughts, Julie, before we get off this subject? You know, my heart goes out to the staff there as well um, and the councillors who have done the right thing. Um, you know, this is a pretty tough situation. All you can do, I think, is hope that everybody learns from all of this. Um, across the sector, this sends shockwaves you know, um, and it really hurts the sector and the sector doesn't ever want to see councils get sacked. Um, the sector wants to see that we're all doing the right thing and uh, that there are good news stories about what local government is delivering on. So this impacts everybody. Um, I felt it. Um, I'm sure everybody in local government land across Victoria felt it. Um, and uh, we, like I said, we can only learn from this and try and ensure that we improve our practices going forward um, and keep an eye on making sure that, you know, we continue to have good governance. Uh, well said, Julie, and you've reminded me, I did want to set some context for people who might not be aware. This is uh, not a regular occurrence to have a council dismissed. It's the first one since March of 2020 when Whittlesey was dismissed and prior to that, Casey and South Gippsland. So there were three within a 10-month period. 
But many thought, Tony, you might back me up on this, with the changes to the Local Government Act, that the days of seeing an entire council being dismissed were gone because there's some new provisions to deal with individual councillors, which generally it's been that council of behaviour that's seen a council dismissed. This one, of course, goes so much further and far deeper. Yeah, that's right. And and again, I think um, remembering um, we discussed um, maybe last episode, but recently the, the LG Pro submission on the culture mm. piece and recommending some legislative change, which really address the individual councillor conduct. And that has been, you know, the precursor or the reason sometimes for um, dismissal of councils when they seem to be dysfunctional because of one or two largely yeah. misbehaving councillors. Um, this was a lot more um, more um, involved, more complex, um, uh, much more to it than that. And as you say, um, you know, the, the thought was there, there would be less councils dismissed. And, and look, I, I think that's probably the case going forwards anyway with the process of conduct panels. All right, uh, we should leave it there. Uh, we'll pop a link in the show notes to the actual report if anyone wants to read it. But as Tony said, it's 172 pages. Um, I, I did it in a couple of sittings. Uh, it's pretty hard to take in some places. I've got to. I've got to say, if you care about the local government sector, um, you will find it uh, confronting, as uh, as someone said. Uh, let's hope we as a sector can learn from it and uh, never see this sort of thing happening again, is is what my take would be. A couple of other stories that have come out this week that I might get some quick thoughts on, um, noting the time here, and I know you're all busy people. Um, a pretty extraordinary story, I think, that came out today uh, as we record this on a Thursday evening uh, from The Age, an exclusive story about how a parliamentary advisor to the Greens in Victoria was issuing press releases promoting Yarra City Council decisions and policies, etc. And at the time, in that 12 months after the elections in 2020, um, the the majority of councillors on that council were Greens councillors. I'm waiting to see how the sector responds to this. I reckon this has got some far-reaching implications. Julie, Tony? Yeah, look, Tony, I'd be interested in the legal situation, but you know, that to me sings out, you know, first of all, contravention to any council policy. Um, and I just don't know how it's happened mm. and how the council has allowed it to, say, happen and continue on. It just flies against all of the policies that are normally written in those media teams um, and signed off by council um, that are across all councils. So I'm not too sure legally where that sits. Yeah, look, I think we, we recognise that party politics is is a part of some councils, um, and 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 will remain so. But what we what we don't want is that um, you know the 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 the, the goings on of you know the politics of state or federal government um, somehow you know um, being seen to sort of overshadow or influence the operations of the council. So yeah, I thought it was a bad precedent. Mm. I think that. Um, Let's hope that, you know, it's pause for reflection. Maybe there's some direction to uh, parliamentary officers about them not engaging in this sort of thing going forwards. Um, one would think that they're getting paid to support 
their parliamentarians, not yeah. council laws. Um, that's that's an issue that's that's played out in the story pretty clearly. That they're working on party political matters basically uh, during working hours, but the code of conduct that applies to ministerial staff doesn't apply to parliamentary advisors. Mm-hmm. So a loophole, perhaps, that uh, we might see addressed. Okay, um, prayers are back in the news. Uh, Burundara has uh, removed reference to the council prayer from its ca- from its governance rules on legal advice that we understand was obtained on behalf of one of the councillors who I noticed uh, declared a conflict and didn't participate in the ultimate uh, decision. But the question here is the applicability, I guess, of that legal view for the other, I think it was 37 other Victorian councils that still use council prayers. Uh, again, a legal question, Tony. Yeah, um, I think the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities, um, which is a, is a piece of legislation as well, um, was cited. Um, look, I'm 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 always always careful when it comes to um, human rights, and that charter is often cited. Can I say cited in all sorts of instances, landlord tenant. Um, local laws, um, all sorts of instances. Of course, um, and um, presumably the particular right that it was being cited was freedom of religion. Mm. Um, and 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 I I understand the logic in in that. Um, and uh, so so you know I can see the reasoning. All our rights, um, uh, we need to look at them um, not in you know, not in a vacuum, not by themselves, because as I might have said here before, you know, we've got a right to freedom of movement, but I can't just block the Westgate Tunnel, you know, mm. tonight. So, so there is a there's a rights to freedom of expression, but you know, I can't go around um, calling people Nazis or promoting, you know, prom- promoting the Nazi Party. So. You're not- you're not suggesting that you'd like to be out blocking the Westgate Tunnel tonight, are you? <laughs> no, no, and cer- certainly not the other alternatives I just just listed. So, so, um, so, so, what I would say is that that that, that charter is um is is a key you know key key um piece that that feeds into um Australian law, the operation of our courts, but it it it, it can um often you know be cited in all sorts of instances and and is not always followed in this instance i i, I can see the logic behind you know we have a um it's freedom of religion for a councillor to feel that they were compelled to participate in the prayer um i i think that there's perhaps a, a an issue there and um and 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 you know maybe there are other processes that could have allowed for um Mm. That that sense of compulsion not to be there. Uh, Tony and Julie, a couple of weeks ago, I said uh, I would like to do an exercise to count up how many councils still use a prayer, and I didn't get around to it. I was hoping someone else would, and here we are. We've got a number, 38, which tells me that 41 don't have a council prayer, and I reckon that's a number that's increased uh, pretty significantly in the last year or two. Would that be your take, Julie? Yeah, I'd say so, Chris. Agree with you. Yeah. All right. Um, I had a couple of councillor behaviour stories I wanted to just touch on. We're we're pretty much out of time. Uh, I'll do these on the roundup, but uh, Salisbury Council is still creating headlines. Two particular councillors there using social media uh, for uh, for purposes that are uh, causing concern and uh, consternation amongst their colleagues. Uh, The latest one involves the use of a Nazi swastika and references to concentration camps. 
Um, so the council has condemned that behaviour formally this week. And up in Queensland, a councillor at uh, Fraser Coast has used social media to make a racial slur, which I won't repeat here. And the council has referred him to the office of the independent assessor. Um, and they've got a standing resolution on the books that any further inappropriate use of social media by this council, council law would be treated as uh, misconduct. So just um, the mind boggles with the the social media activity that some councils, uh, council laws, I should say, are still uh, engaging in out there. Yeah, we're certainly not immune from that here, and um, doesn't don't have to cast your memory back too long to think of Ganawara Shire and some yeah. um, unfortunate comments um, by by a sitting councillor on social media. So yeah, I think it's something we'll continue to grapple with, and um, it's going to be a constant source of um, concern for the sector. Uh, I had a stack of other stuff that we might hold over for next week because the Moira Shire Council report, of course, has been the big story this week. Uh, Julie, I know you have another commitment to get to. Uh, Tony, I'm sure you've got a, a, a host of uh, missed calls there that you've got to deal with. We do appreciate your time on the program uh, each week to uh, dissect the news. So thank you both. And thank you, Chris, for your um, awesome, awesome hosting. Yeah, it's Thanks, been a Annie. big week, big week in local government. I'm feeling exhausted uh, and it's not over yet. No, but sending our best wishes out to all those affected, particularly by this uh, this news this week. There'll be many people feeling it pretty strongly, I reckon, uh, as we speak, and uh, we're with them. All right. Uh, thank you both. Thank you to our viewers and listeners. Uh, I think they're in the plural. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast player. And we've got much more coming for you soon from VLGA Connect. Bye for now. 